Hello, everyone. Uh, I am online today doing a special interview. I don't do a ton of interviews. I uh, used to with the Wayne Feeds podcast, but we're kind of relaunching some of our between weeks ministry. And I want to tell you about a new friend of mine. Her name is Laura Stack. Laura Stack was best known in the business world for her professional moniker, the Productivity Pro. Her 30-year career as a keynote speaker, best-selling author of eight productivity books, and corporate spokesperson came to a screeching halt on November 20th, 2019, when her 19-year-old son, Johnny, died by suicide after becoming psychotic from dabbing high THC marijuana concentrates. Laura responded by forming the nonprofit Johnny's Ambassadors to educate parents and teens about the dangers of today's high THC marijuana on adolescent brain development, mental illness, and suicide. Her platform now brings education, awareness, and prevention curriculum to parents, drug prevention conferences, community groups, and schools to stop marijuana use, uh, youth, mar- youth marijuana use. She is a, a powerful speaker who brings Johnny's personal warning and solid research together in her new book, The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana, Johnny Stack's Life and Death Story. Um, It's described as a force of nature with unstoppable drive, unwavering purpose. Laura is determined to get teens to stop dabbing. Hashtag stop dabbing. So Laura Stack, welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Glad to have you on here today. And we're just, uh, we're excited to have this conversation and it's very near and dear to my heart being a 12 stepper myself. And um, so many people are in desperate places and this conversation is probably even even more timely for me on this day. Um, I just found out this morning that one of my fellow pastors here in Castle Rock took his own life. Oh, no. And uh, it was a total shock. And there was no warning signs. There was no danger signs. I, we just got a text from uh. one, of the, one of the police chaplains and uh, a just shock. It is dis- disbelief. Like there was no indicator. I just had breakfast with the guy two two Thursdays ago, and there was no there was no warning signs. It was just all of a sudden wow. you get a text and you go, "Man, the whole world is upside down." You know? Well, and you wonder if he was using drugs. You know, you just right. there was no indication the day Johnny died either. Um, we he had his oil changed in his car. He he had a routine doctor's appointment. He bought Krispy Kreme donuts, which were still on his counter. Like it was a completely normal day we had talked to him every day you know but the days before that it was it was just out of the blue and he had a psychotic break and so they we can kind of tell because his last kind of suicide note was a snapchat Hmm. um that he sent out 15 minutes before he killed himself that was a picture of his car odometer um now you would think this was strange Except we knew that he was in psychosis. He was having a lot of delusional thinking from the marijuana concentrates. And we can talk about that. But yeah, the odometer read 133661. So the doctors that we talked with believe, the psychiatrist and the schizophrenia expert also, that he thought that somehow the 133661, like that there was some sort of sign in there or that it was magical or or that it meant he wasn't going to die because we really didn't think he would die and in fact there was a video on top of the garage 
he jumped from a garage um, that captured it. I've never, I will never watch the video, but the, the coroner said that he had spread out his wings as if he could fly mm. and that they believe that he didn't think that he would die. So just like with your friend, I think sometimes it's a spur of the moment decision. They, they, they said that possibly even an hour before he died, he didn't know that he would. And, you know, for whatever reason, here he is driving around in his car. Yeah. So I'm so sorry about about your colleague and friend. That's it's shocking. No matter. And tomorrow is actually the two year death anniversary of Johnny. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah and I'm sure you're still not over it. You'll never be over it. Per no. Se, right. No. We're you know we're better. T- you know, two years out. Mm-hmm. We're we're moving through it. I guess is the way I would describe it. You know, the first year was it's right before Thanksgiving, just like this. Mm-hmm. Um, closer to Thanksgiving last time and. You know, we um, Thanksgiving is a really difficult holiday. We're going over to friends. We just don't even really want to do Thanksgiving here in the house. We're still where he grew up in the only house he's lived in. Right. And, you know, then just trying to get through the holidays. And I mean, I was basically in a fetal position for the first few months and then it was COVID. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I think now looking back, of course, God's perfect timing, not exactly um, the mission that I wanted. But I'm trying to be obedient. Um, that it gave me time to write. I spent the next six months in COVID writing Johnny's life story. The book is 300 pages and wow. 176 scientific notations. So I did, you know, all the research, and during that time, started our nonprofit, wow. Johnny's Ambassadors. And so that's what we're really working to do is explain to people. Why marijuana is so different? Because when Johnny told me when he used marijuana in ninth grade, um, I kind of said to myself in my head, like, ah, you know, it's a phase. It's just weed. He's just a kid. He'll, you know, kids will be kids. He'll. I, I was fine. It won't hurt him. And I was so wrong. I had no idea about the designer marijuana products that they create these days and how they extract. The THC, which is the psychoactive part, tetrahydrocannabinol, to create incredibly potent products that are nearly pure where, you know, I'm 52. I think we're about the same age, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. In the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, until about 2015, the THC content was between 2 and 5% when I was growing up. And in 2012, it was about 12%. Now, the shatters, the waxes, the dabs, the rosins, the sugars, all these crazy products that they make. Um, In fact, one manufacturer is now bragging that he has a 100% distillate vape oil for e-cigarettes, 100% THC. So, it's not the same thing. These, These are like apples and oranges. This is like Cocaine compared to crack. It's becoming psych- th- uh, truly a psychedelic. It is. Definitely. It's psychoactive. It's a right. comatogenic, which um, instead of a hallucinogen, it is a classification very much like ketamine or cough syrup that induces psychosis. Um, and indeed, in uh, lab studies on human subjects, they have been able to invoke transient psychosis with very small amounts of raw THC. Um, in a vein. So we know that it causes psychosis, but when teens use it, it's particularly harmful um, because of their brain development. So that's right. really what we're what we're working on. 
Yeah, it almost reminds me of the old stories of uh, Prohibition days in the Great Depression where people were making hard liquor in their bathtubs, but, you know, they didn't know enough about uh, distillation. So they weren't taking the heads because the head of when you're making whiskey, that the first bit of whiskey that comes out is actually poisonous. It will kill you. Nice. That's when all. So some of those people who would drink a little too early after the head had come out would go blind. Oh, my. Drinking illegal, illegal whiskey. And so unregulated, you know, all that stuff. Of course, we're, we're speaking in Colorado. It's unregulated. It's, there's no control over potency. In fact, the back of the products, you know, if you buy a bag of Scooby-Doo snacks, Shatter, uh, will say this product is not tested for efficacy, safety, health, and is not regulated. They give a warning right on the back of their own product and the ingredients still list butane, propane, whatever solvent uh, they use to extract the THC out of the marijuana is still in the product. It's literally poisonous uh, for people's brains, and yet they still use it. And there's, there is no control uh, over it at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's really frustrating. It's extreme. Well, it's like anything, um, prohibition, you know, extreme alcohol, extreme caffeine, extreme sports, you know, now we have extreme marijuana. And in, in the U S you know, it's, it's no, there are no caps. And in like for in the Netherlands, for example, anything over 15% is illegal. It's, it's considered a hard drug. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually a narcotic. And um, so that's really, if you have not been to a dispensary in the past three years, or you are over the age of 25, uh, we highly encourage people to go to a dispensary and take a field trip and you'll be like, what is this, right? You're thinking you get a paper, right? You put some grass in it, you roll it up and smoke a joint, forget it, right? Right. That is gone. They have figured out how to get THC into any orifice. We have inhalers and eye drops and pills and grossly tampon suppositories that the kids are high in school all day. Um, Any product you can think of to Mm -hmm. eat, to drink, uh, to bathe in. Yeah. And of course, then you don't have the smell, right? That's the thing about it. No, there's no smell. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you take a, a gummy that's like this big and it's 50 milligrams of THC. Yeah. Right, yeah. that's more than a big fat joint, one little tiny gummy, and they say a serving is like ten milligrams. The kids are not like biting off the ears, right? <laughs> They're just popping the whole thing in their mouths, and the vape, you can't smell it. These kids are vaping right under their parents' noses because they're just yeah. like, "Oh, mom, it's just vape, chill out," and it's not nicotine. Right. Right? It's like right. THC distillate. So um, that's the first thing I think that I've, I learned was that I was so naive mm-hmm. and was not really aware of the danger of what my son was using. Even people who say, oh, well, my kid just smokes flour. Well, the botanists now have figured out how to get a 40% THC strain out of a plant. There's one grower that's got 40%. And in Colorado dispensaries, 30% is very common. Standard, yeah. For flour. It's the flour itself is potent. So, you know, don't say, oh, well, my kid's just smoking. But 
So are you are you trying to work on legislation here in state or federally or what's your... Well, we did. Yeah. In June, our coalition passed 1317 regulating marijuana concentrates. Um, I worked on that for a year with a large coalition of people. I am the proud owner of the pen that Governor Polis used to sign the legislation. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we have put up some pretty significant guardrails to make it harder for 18 to 20 year olds to get a med card. Um, when Johnny first used, a friend of his has a had a brother. He was Johnny was 14, his friend was 14, and the brother was 18. And so in Colorado, you know, you go, there are very well-known pot shop docs here to these high school kids. Mm -hmm. And it's like a rite of passage. As soon as you turn 18, you make up some cockamamie story like you got a migraine mm -hmm. you know, or a backache. Um, you go pay your 500 bucks to the pot shop doc, you get your shiny new med card, and you can legally walk in to these dispensaries. It used to be 40 grams of shatter. You could, do, that it's, it's so astronaut, like you couldn't use that much shatter in months of smoking nonstop every day. I mean, it's just ignorance on the part of lawmakers, oh. not knowing dosages and knowing the amounts. And they didn't even doing. know these dabs existed. Right. They didn't even know these dabs existed. See in 2012, when it was legalized, right. Voters were thinking about, you know, Woodstock and love and peace and, oh, I used it and it didn't hurt me and, oh, these poor people with cancer, right? And it, it's a ruse. It's a farce. Right. The whole program is just a red herring for legal recreational use, which is what they wanted all the time. The industry says that themselves. Right. Um, and so now at 18, these kids go buy it and then they go back to the high school and the middle school and they sell it. Mm -hmm. There are 4,000 medical marijuana cards in 18-year-olds in Colorado and yeah. like 140 for legitimate medical reasons. The kids here just want to get high. Right. Of course. Uh, yeah. So I just, I had no idea. Right. right. I had no idea how potent it is. And because it's so potent, um, when they use it with high frequency and they're young, uh, we know from MRI studies that the more you use it, the thinner your prefrontal cortex is. It actually causes brain damage and it does not grow back. Mm. And they wonder, well, why does it cause memory problems and a loss of IQ and a lack of motivation and dropouts of school and mm -hmm. paranoia? And sadly, in, in many kids, because of the brain changes, we are seeing acute episodes of psychosis. Right. And emergency rooms and intoxication and comas and breathing problems and what's called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, CHS, which is cyclical uncontrollable vomiting, wow. which some youths uh, present in the emergency room. And their parents are like, what's going on with their stomach? Right. And the mm -hmm. doctors are being trained here to ask. The first thing is, are you using marijuana if they come in vomiting? Right. Um, no parental consent needed. Mm. these med cards when you're 18 right so how old the was johnny zone is until you're 25 yeah how old was johnny when all this happened well he started using it 14 i know because he told me um we were very close i i was his person i mean we grew up uh he we're christian grew up in the church went to cherry hills community 
Uh, we taught Sunday school. He loved Jesus. We, we taught four-year-olds for many years, and then we would go to church second service. He had a heart for the homeless. He loved to serve. We did love in action. We did, you know, Bible mm-hmm. blast, Awana, like everything you can think of. And so many parents are like, oh, well, my kid's Christian. You know, that would never happen. Well, so is mine. <laughs> right, right. Um, and he had a 4.0 GPA. He got a perfect SAT score in the math portion, 800 out of 800. Wow. A scholarship to CSU. I mean, he was active. He was busy. He played the piano, the guitar. He was in sports. He had friends. He was just, you know, and literally, if it can happen to us, it can happen to anybody because here we are in Highlands Ranch, mm-hmm. right? And he um, started at 14 because he told me. And uh, he died at 19. So it was a fifth, it was a five year. I mean, it was hell. It, yeah. it was, it was pure hell. If I can envision what hell would be, that was it. It was, he was addicted so fast and trying to, you know, you cannot duct tape yourself to your child. I mean, you know, you want them to go to school and we had his car tracked, his phone tracked. I mean, we did everything any parent would do, you know, therapies and treatments and doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists. And he had a previous suicide attempt, two mental hospital, three mental hospital stays total. Mm -hmm. Um, And his diagnosis was THC abuse severe. That's it. He didn't have he didn't have mental health problems until years a couple years after he started using marijuana we started they started to develop yeah um, some anxiety um, starting to kind of isolate himself and you know it's so hard Wayne because you're thinking as a parent you know uh, pff, he's a 16 year old boy like they're already irritable you know? right so it's just kind of it was it's just so hard to separate and then it's a constant lying. Mm-hmm. Um, hiding secrecy, you know, and you try everything that you can think of tough love, 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 you know, everything. Right. And, yeah. Until the person is ready to uh, admit that they have a problem or to be like we say in, in a 12 step is to be rigorously honest. Yeah. Uh, they're not ready to start the process of getting clean or getting. Yeah. Clean. Oh, and he got clean a couple of times. He had several chances where he was off THC, sober, healthy. We how, long had our you, how long do you think his longest stint of, of staying clean was? Oh, let's see. He had a suicide attempt in um, fall of 2018 when he went to CSU. He was dabbing nonstop for two weeks. He oh, told okay. Me. So he went off to university. Yeah. Oh, he had a scholarship. I mean, he managed to keep it together. He graduated with honors, even though he got four D's his last semester. His GPA was so high. Uh, he ended up with a 3.2, which was crazy. But yeah, he kept his scholarship and then uh, had a roommate who moved to Colorado just to use marijuana. Great, mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. roommate. And uh, they dabbed together for two weeks and he texted me and he said, you know, I'm having a hard time making friends. And I said, you know, that's normal. You'll you'll make friends, honey. It just, you know, take some time. Normal mom coaching, right? And right, then he right. said, um, is it normal to think about killing yourself every day? And I said, wow. no, that's, that is not normal. And so we had to go up and get him. And we had to, long story short, he lost his scholarship and went into the mental hospital on an M1, you know, suicide hold. Mm-hmm. And they let him out three days later because he said he wasn't suicidal. And he told me when they let me out, I'm going to kill myself. And I asked them, my God, please keep him. He's still suicidal. And they said, he said he's not. And I'm like, 
he's using marijuana, you know, like right. it stays in your blood for three weeks. He's just totally lying. And he did actually try to kill himself when he got out. Mm-hmm. We, we stopped it, but then they kept him for the rest of September and the THC left his blood for like the first time in years. And he wow. was sober until I would say the end of January of 2019. So four months or so. Mm-hmm. And did, did, um, did it seem like things were clearing up for him after those three months? Oh, like, he was back to himself, like he used to always be—just happy, charming, smiling, compliant, mm-hmm. grateful, loving. Um, I know anxiety then, when you first get clean from marijuana can be really through the roof, you know, because you, you've been. Yeah, he went to, through that in the mental hospital for sure. You know, the detox on marijuana is crazy. It's called CWS, cannabis withdrawal syndrome. Yeah. So, um, but once he detoxed, I mean, we let him stay here because he, he was no longer violent. He wasn't verbally abusive. He wasn't defiant. He was following rules. He was sweet. Mm-hmm. He lived here and he was like, wow, I am never going to do that again. Like he, it, I mean, it hit him. Like he got it. He knew he understood. Yeah. Um, and he got a job and, and it was, it was great. It was a great few months, but then he's like, I'm 19. Like, what am I going to do? Or at the time he was only 18, you know, just going to work at PetSmart for the rest of my life. You know, I'm going to, I want to try to go back to school. Yeah. And um, so this time we, we sent him to university of Northern Colorado and Greeley. They gave him a scholarship too. Mm-hmm. And um, he was fine. He went back. We had great hopes and boom, went back to the marijuana crowd. Yeah. Cause it's like, sadly it's a it's a culture it's like an instant group of friends that you have something in common with and they accepted him right away and he just he just did not get it and so that time it took another couple months of him using and i got a call at three in the morning from him saying his phone was bugged um his dorm room was bugged that unc was actually an fbi base and that i was in on it and you're just like, whoa. So the paranoia was through the roof. Oh, through the roof. So mental hospital again, withdraw from school again. Um, and again, he recovered. Like he could have been okay. He again was sober. They did have to put him on a little um, antipsychotic to tamp down that delusion because he just kept thinking. The like he wrote in his journal that the mob was after him. I'm like, mm-hmm. there is no mob here. You know, it was just very so paranoid, which is what marijuana does when it clicks into the amygdala, mm-hmm. uh, which normally regulates emotion. But when THC gets into the CB1 cannabinoid one receptor, it blocks anandamide, which is your natural chemical. So, well, you have done your. A science homework. On oh, I have that. a clinical at this point. <laughs> right. Well, we actually have a scientific advisory board of MDs who work in, who are experts in um, youth cannabis, and they they've taught me everything I know. Yeah, but yeah. Um, because the, the amygdala is like overactive on THC, right? It just this you know huge delusion is very common, and then sadly, if you keep if you have a psychotic break like this and then you, you do use again and have another one and use again, then it can actually stick and it can convert 
right. um, into full-blown schizophrenia that's very hard to treat. And it can take the brain up to a year to heal from an assault like that. Right. Um, so sim- similar to alcoholism, probably that if a person doesn't stay clean from alcohol and they go back to drinking, it gets progressively worse and right. worse and worse. That's right. Yeah. yeah. These are called CIP, cannabis-induced psychotic episodes. And they can, you know, half of the time, if they stay sober, they can recover. So Johnny did recover again. Uh, we tried a third university. He, he liked it. He went to Colorado Technical University because he was going to be in computers um, and got back with a girlfriend who was dabbing every day. Mm. And so even when he understood that it was the marijuana, it was so addictive. He could just, and I told him I was going to duct tape him to the wall. like. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, I, you can't control another person at some point, you know, because right. I just couldn't watch him 24 seven yeah. and cuff him to me, you know, and it, it just, it was, it was just, it was awful. And of course, you know, we're trying treatments and docs and then he would check himself out of stuff because he was 18, you know, and it, right. everything was just hard. It was yeah. just hard trying to help him. And then one day he came over. This was like three days before he died. And he just said, hey, mom. Um, And he wasn't using at the time because he'd had another, you know, come to Jesus. Um, He said, I just want you to know you were right. And I said, about what? I didn't know what we were talking about. And he said, "Um, about the marijuana, you told me that it would hurt my brain and it has ruined my mind and my life. And I'm really sorry. And I love you. Hmm. So I thought, you know, (laughs) that was more of a gesture of reconciliation just because our, you know, our relationship had been so damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the closest thing, out, closest thing to a goodbye that you got probably, huh? That was what I got. Yeah. And I didn't know it was suicidal because the first time he was suicidal, he told me he was suicidal. And so I just, I guess I just kind of thought he would tell me, mm-hmm. you know, if he ever felt that way. And, and then when he said that, I didn't know enough to ask him um, and didn't really understand what was going on because he stopped taking his antipsychotic when he stopped using weed. He thought, and this is part of the delusion that if I'm not using the marijuana, I don't have to take the medicine, but he needed to be on the medicine for a little while longer. So the delusions that he was having kind of came back and we found a journal that he wrote in after he died just a few days before he died. And he was back to writing the mob is after me, you know, UNC is an FBI base. Everybody knows everything about me. So I know from what we can tell, he had some sort of psychotic attack and it's just, it's so sad Wayne, just because it's, it's preventable. It's, it's a hundred percent preventable. And, and he even had a couple chances to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cannabis use disorder, you know, slash addiction is just, it's so hard. And one in 16 who use marijuana will get addicted to it. We know that from science and the research that's out there. And you just don't know. It's literally like playing Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know what the consequences will be of THC in the brain. There's, there is literally no safe level of THC in the mind of a developing youth until right. they're... 25 and parents don't understand this and some of them are buying marijuana for their kid i'm like are you crazy that's affecting their brains and it's making them i mean we 
We know a couple parents who have children who legitimately have huge seizure disorders, right? That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about kids who are using it to get high. It's like the other end of the spectrum or the parents are like, oh, they're stressed. Oh, they're anxious. Those things are counterindicated for marijuana. It actually causes those things and makes it worse. So we just, we have to get the message out to parents. This is not the same marijuana. It is very potent and it is not harmless. Right. Well, and the the brain is forming. Consumers of marijuana need to know that too, right? Because they, here it comes in a gummy bear shape or, oh, it looks like a harmless product. You know, what is this going to do to me? You know, they treat it like candy or whatever. Right. And And the peer pressure and the lack of knowledge. There's zero education. Zero in Colorado. Um, Our kids, you know, went to Wildcat Mountain, Rocky Heights Middle School and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Rock Canyon. All of our kids, all three of them, zero education in marijuana. And you know why? Because it's political. Because their parents are using. Right. Parents don't want you to tell their children that what your parents are doing is wrong. So let's just not teach them. Yeah. So you get the impression as a kid, like, oh, you know, my mom and dad use. It's just weed. Let me let me read the the, uh, because I bet we I bet on this podcast I'm going to have people that are interested in this conversation both as parents and as people who consume cannabis. Yeah, I'm going to read these questions to ask yourself if you are a cannabis user. Mm -hmm. uh, Following questions may help you determine whether marijuana is a problem in your life. Number one: Has smoking pot or using cannabis stopped being fun? Number two: Do you ever get high alone? Number three. Is it hard for you to imagine life without cannabis? Do you find, number four, do you find that your friends are determined by your cannabis use? Number five, do you use cannabis to avoid dealing with your problems? Number six, do you use cannabis to cope with your feelings? Number seven, does your cannabis use let you live in a privately defined world? Number eight, have you ever failed to keep promises you made about cutting down or controlling your use of cannabis? Number nine, has your use of cannabis caused problems with memory, concentration, or motivation? Number 10, when your stash is nearly empty, do you feel anxious or worried about how to get more? Number 11, do you plan your life around your cannabis use? Number 12, have friends or relatives ever complained that you're using is damaging a relationship with them? If you answered yes to any of the above questions, you may have a problem with cannabis. Sounds like that might be from my book. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> and there is help for those who are know that they have a problem, but they're afraid to tell someone. Yes, um, we have a lot of help, a lot of education, a lot of support. We currently have 160 parents whose children are in active cannabis-induced psychosis right now. Uh, we have a hope and healing group for parents of marijuana addicts. Then we have the opposite, which is a cannabis cessation group, peer-to-peer group for the addict. Um, We have, I mean, there's 5,000 Johnny's ambassadors now. It's crazy. It's just taking off. We have a train the trainer program for people to take it into their communities because there's only one of me with PowerPoint and, you know, instructor notes. We have an online marijuana curriculum that's really fun. That's like a game show format. 
uh, for teens to take into schools. So, you know, we just, we have a wealth of educational resources to help people and also referrals if intervention is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they can just go to johnnysambassadors.org. Uh, or feel free just to email me, Laura at Johnny's Ambassadors.org, and I will um, I will help you. I'll get you some materials that you need to get help. Awesome. We'll put that information on the screen for people as well. I'll put it in the, the comment section in Great. the description of the video as well. Um, yeah, one more, maybe one more point of discussion and we'll finish up here. Both you and I are believers. Both of you and I are Christians, right? Yeah. And the stigma in the in the church, no matter whether you're Catholic or Protestant or anything else, is almost always to brush this stuff under the rug, ignore it, pretend yeah. it's not happening. Or if you're using, you think, well, I'm a bad Christian, or uh, maybe you know, I just can't get it together like other people do. Um, in many ways, just your story has shattered a lot of that. Uh, yeah. Well, I decided early on, um, God gave me a lot of signs that this was my path. And, uh, you know, I'd always prayed that somehow my talent uh, in events and social and publicity and writing and all of that would help his kingdom. And I thought it would be mothers of preschoolers or (laughs) women's retreats. And, you know, so this is not exactly um, what I have in mind, but it became very clear that it is my path. And Mm -hmm. so um, I have to speak up. I have to work to shatter the stigma. I have, I have not been silent. It's not been easy. I bring a lot of hate on myself. I get hate mail every day uh, because, you know, I dare speak up um, about the cannabis industry, but it's going to take a lot of people to really turn the tide because the the marijuana lobby has huge bucks behind it. Of course. No big funding because it's all big tobacco repeated all over again. Right. Um, And so we need, you know, a mighty army of grassroots people to be raised up and God's doing that. Uh, I I feel it all the time, you know, it's like everything that happens boom, you know, the next day there'll be a solution. One person needed materials in Spanish. Gosh, we don't have that. Boom. Someone volunteers. I'm a professor in Spanish and I'll translate your materials for you. Just like, you know, God just shows me every, every day, um, a miracle. So I know, I know we're on the right path. That's right. What's your, what's some of your social media handles? What, which, which platforms do you use? Everything. We're on everyone and it's all Johnny's ambassadors. Okay. So all one together, apostrophe, no apostrophe. No, you can't put apostrophes in things. All right. Yeah. So just, you are just Johnny's ambassadors. No, just. Johnny's with an S. Yep. yep. Ambassadors with two S's. Mm-hmm. org. So Instagram, Johnny's ambassadors, Twitter. Um, you can look up Johnny's ambassadors, but the handle is actually Johnny K stack. My son's name. Okay. Um, Facebook, it's all Johnny's Ambassadors. We have a page and a very active group um, specifically for youth marijuana preventionists. And there are about 1,800, I think, in that group. Um, So we have a lot of different groups going. And if you do have a child in psychosis who is struggling with addiction, email me. I have to send you a private invitation um, to be put into those other various groups. For sure. And I'll just speak from the side of uh, people who may be suffering in addiction or in alcoholism or any kind of psychosis or or even just depression and fear. If you feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm going to end it or, I, you know, I'm going to do something extreme. 
talk to someone first? Would you yeah. just t- just reach out and just even as a cry of help, you know, don't don't uh, leave us holding the bag and wondering what what we did wrong or you know or what happened. Yeah, uh, we, just we, like we your wanna, pastor, it's just a just mystery. reach out, just reach out help. and get the help. Yeah. So thank you again, Laura. God bless you. God bless your work. We will check you out online and we'll, we'll, we will continue the conversation in the future for sure. I appreciate that. I hope this reaches one person hearing it and saves a young life. I'm sure it's going to reach even more than that. You bet. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and He has a wonderful plan for your life.